Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. The following episode has been sponsored by Mr. and Mrs. Robert Stein in memory of his dear father, Mr. Herbert Stein Zichonoli Vacha, who passed away on Erev Yom Kippur. May the words of Torah and the lessons that we learn today be Le'ilu Nishmato. In one of the major questions that is asked often with regards to the Yom Kippur fast is why do we read the book of Yonah, the book of Jonah, the afternoon of Yom Kippur? This question has raised many, many different answers and theories. But I came across one that I want to share with you, which I think is very relevant and very insightful. The Beit Yosef, in the book Orachayim, writes, Umaftir be'yonah, the reason why we say the Haftarah of Yonah during Minchav Yom Kippur, lefi sheyesh bah, godel koach ha'teshuvah, because in it has the measure of the power of teshuvah. So basically what he's saying is that we read Sefer Yonah to teach us about repentance. Makes sense. It's a great topic for Yom Kippur. But let's stop and ask ourselves a question. Where in Sefer Yonah do we actually see repentance? So most people would point to the city of Ninveh's repentance as the main source of Teshuvah in the book. Makes sense. They were evil. They were sentenced to be destroyed. They changed their ways. If this was the case, however, then why is the book called Sefer Yonah? It would have made more sense to be called Sefer Ninveh. Furthermore, it seems very unusual that one of the books in Scripture, in our Tanakh, would bring the story of a non-Jewish city's repentance as the prime example for our Jewish Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur. In addition to that, Ninvez Teshuvah comes in the final chapter of Sefer Yonah. So, if that's the case, what is the purpose of all the chapters preceding it? Namely, Yonah running away from God's decree, going onto the ship inside the whale's belly, so why did Yonah run away from Hashem? Maybe that's a good place to start. The Navi tells us, Vayar ha-Elohim et ma'asehem, that God saw what they did, kishavu midarkam hara'ah, how they were turning back from their evil ways. Vayinachem ha-Elohim al hara'ah, asher diber la'asot lahem velo asa. And God renounced the punishment that he had planned to bring upon them, the people of Ninveh, and he did not carry it out. And this displeased Yonah greatly. And he was grieved, he was upset. Rashi on this pasuk says, what does it mean, that it displeased Yonah greatly? Amar, he said to himself, Achshav yomru ha goyim she'ani navi hasheker. Now the non-Jews will say that I am a false prophet. What reason is this for Yonah 
to be upset with Hashem for the task that he had been given. It doesn't really seem to fit with the sort of character that we would think a prophet embody to display to others. More than that, he could have really headed off these concerns by caveating his prophecy that if Ninveh were to repent, Hashem would not punish them. So maybe we can provide another reason for Yonah's unhappiness at the end of the book. Let's look at the Radak early on in the Sefer. The Radak asks, why is this prophecy written in our holy books? It's all about Ninveh. There isn't even mention of Bnei Israel. Maybe we could explain. It was written to act as Musar to teach the Jewish people. Shaharei am nochri she'enam Israel haya karov lichuva that a Gentile nation who aren't from Israel were really really close to doing teshuva. Ubepam harishona shehochicham hanavi and with one rebuke that the prophet gave them shavu bichuva shelema mira'atam. They were able to perform full teshuvah from all their evil ways. Be Israel and the Jews, on the other hand, the prophets rebuke them daily in the morning and at night. But they do not return from their wickedness. But it still seems a little bit odd. Yonah is a prophet. It's not his job to be making these calculations as to whether or not the Jewish people are going to repent or not, or whether or not they will. Hashem told him to perform a task. He's a prophet. He needs to do it. More than that, if he feels that the Jewish people deserve rebuke, so then give them rebuke as well. Why not go to the Jewish cities and rebuke them and tell them what they need to change? A further reasoning given for Yonah's discomfort is that Ninveh was the capital of Assyria, which in only a hundred years' time would destroy the whole upper kingdom of Israel. So maybe Yonah might have been, uh, what can we say, not really willing to give this nation any more merit than they were deserving of. This idea also runs into an issue. Because when Hashem says at the end of the book, should not I care about Ninveh? Yonah doesn't respond to God, you should care about the Jewish people more. Ninveh are going to destroy them in, in the future. In fact, Yonah is silent. So I'd like to develop a complete approach as to why Yonah ran away from Hashem and his mission. Towards the end of the, of the book, the book says, Vayitpalel el Hashem vayomar. That Yonah prayed to Hashem saying, Ana Hashem, O God, Haloze devari adheyoti al admati. Isn't, just, isn't this just what I said when I was in my own land? Alken kidamti livroch tarshisha. That's why I ran away before to Tarshish. Kiadati kiata el chanun verachum. For I know that you are a compassionate and a gracious God. 
Erech apayim, slow to anger. Verav chesed, abounding in kindness. Venicham al renouncing punishment. So Yonah actually tells us why he ran away in this pasuk in the fourth chapter. Yonah appropriates the 13 midot of rachamim, the 13 attributes of heavenly mercy, as the reason he disobeyed God. Except he misses out one of the midah, the midah of emet, truthfulness. He challenges God on the lack of truthfulness, the lack of justice that's inherent in this story. Yonah's main concern is truth. In fact, he is called Yonah ben Amitai, the son of truth. Truth, emet, means that every action has a consequence. The Pasuk says in the third chapter, Vayachel Yonah lavo ba'ir, mahalach yom echad, vayikrava yomar, od arba'im yom, veninveh nepachet. The Yonah started out and made his way into the city, the distance of one day's walk, and he proclaimed, Forty days more, and Inveh shall be overthrown. So Metsudat David on this Pasuk says, Vayachel, Hine yesh od zman arba'im yom. You have forty days. And after that, Ninveh will be overturned. Like the overturning of Sedom and Amorah, which was from something to nothing. And the Malbim on this Pasuk says that Yonah thought that even though the decree was cancelled and the whole city wouldn't be overturned after they repented, it's impossible, he thought, that there shouldn't be any impression, any inkling of bad occurring in the city. And he compares it to the story of the golden calf, the Egel HaZahav. And over there, Hashem, the Pasuk tells us, Vainachem Hashem al that Hashem relented from the bad. says the Malbim, Hashem struck the people that performed the Egel. So yes, he forgave, he forgave the Jewish nation, but those that were guilty were struck. So what does Yonah think at this moment? How does he view the situation of Ninveh? Clearly, he views Ninveh's fate as equivalent to that of Sedom and Amorah, or the Jewish people after the sin of the golden calf. Even after Abraham petitioned to Hashem to save the tzaddikim of Sedom and Amorah, those cities were not deserved of salvation. Even though Hashem forgave the people after the sin of the golden calf, there were still deadly consequences. Yonah does not see any space for Teshuvah here. He doesn't even give Ninveh the option. This city is deserving of extreme evil. This city is deserving of the consequences as a result for their evil actions. So Yonah cannot entertain the possibility that there is the Midah of Emet here. He, does, he cannot entertain the possibility that Emet dissolves here. So how does Hashem respond to this challenge of Yonah? The Pasuk says in the fourth, in the fourth chapter, Vayetzeh Yonah min ha'ir, Vayeshev mikedem la'ir that Yonah left the city, and he dwelled towards the east, Vayas lo sham sukkah, and they made for him there a sukkah, a booth, Vayeshev tachtea batzel, 
and there he sat under the shade, ad asher ba'ir, until he should see what happened to the city. And Hashem, what does he do? Vayman Hashem Elohim kikayon. Hashem provided this gourd plant, vayal me'al which grew up over Yonah, liotzel al grosho, to provide shade for his head, lehatzilo mera'ato, and to save him from discomfort. Vayismach Yonah lakikayon simcha gedola. Yonah was very happy about the plant. Wait a second. There was already a sukkah here. There was already a booth that he was sitting under to provide him for shade, right? He was there waiting to see what was going to happen to the city. So Fiona was already sheltered by a hut. Why did he need this kikayon, this plant, for extra shade? The answer is that the kikayon, this gourd plant, was an expression of pure rahamim, pure mercy. It came from nothing. It came without any cause or source. The only reason why it came was to provide comfort to Yonah. It did not deserve to exist in a strictly emet-based world. Rachamim comes from the root word rechem, which is a woman's womb. Rachamim is about potential for the future. It doesn't judge someone's worth based on their achievements until now, but rather what they can achieve going forward. That's why Hashem has mercy on us because he and he accepts our tishua because he knows what we can accomplish if we put our mind to it. So the Pasuk actually hints that the function and the the main um, purpose of the Kikayon was to counterbalance Yonah's truth-based worldview. Lehatzil lo merato to save him from the discomfort he was feeling at the seeming lack of emet in the world. That's what Yonah couldn't understand. So Hashem had to provide the kikayon that came out of nowhere, that came out of strictly rachamim. The Talmud in Yerushalmi, Masechet Makot, says the following: Sha'alu lachokma was asked of wisdom. What happens to the sinner? Amrulahem Chataim Tirdof Ra'a. The wisdom answered that evil pursues the wicked. So that's not good news. So they went, Sha'alu Lanevua. They asked a prophecy. What is the punishment of the sinner? Amrulahem, the Nevua, the prophecy answered them. Hanefesh Hachotet Hi Tamut. The sinful soul shall perish. Finally, they went to Hashem and asked Him, What is the punishment of the sinner? Hashem said, Do Teshuvah and He will be forgiven. Unbelievable. Even prophecy, as represented by Yonah in our story, is unable to find a get-out clause for the Choteh. Only Hashem Himself is able to introduce the concept of Teshuvah, the concept of repentance. That's why the Gemara tells us in Masechet Pesachim, page 54a, that seven things were created before the world was created. Ve'eluhen, this is what, who, what they are, Torah, Teshuvah, 
repentance, Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, Geinam, Kisa Kavod, the throne of glory, Bet HaMikdash, Mashiach, the temple and the name of Mashiach. Says the Zohar, Kesheh Baruch Hu Ratsa Olam, when Hashem wanted to create the world, Hayam Macharit HaOlam Lefanav, He etched the world before Him. Velo Haya Omed, but it could not stand still. Ad Shebara HaTeshuvah, until he created Teshuvah. Rav Moshe Weinberger, a great tzaddik in New York, Rav of Eish Kodesh congregation, has a wonderful commentary on one of Rav Cook's sefers, Orota Teshuvah. This is what he writes, and I quote, Although Teshuvah is a mighty engine that drives the world, people have the immature idea that it is merely a makeshift measure implemented to rectify sin. Thus, even after a person has engaged in Teshuvah, he can slip back into committing sins because he views Teshuvah not as a holistic way of being, but as a temporary cure, a specific lotion to treat a specific wound. This is a constricted way of looking at spiritual illness, of not realizing that it has cosmic significance and that the prescription is thus also cosmically significant. Teshuvah is not an antidote for a specific element. It is a permanent feature of creation. Some people are not ready for the opportunity of Teshuvah because they think of it as a favor that God bestows, like a person throwing a bone to a dog, and I feel unworthy of taking this gift. Rav Kook teaches that Teshuvah is much more than a gift for a downtrodden and miserable people. Teshuvah is the life energy of existence itself. It is a permanent fixture in creation, from the beginning to the end of time. Whenever a person strays from the proper path, he can grab onto the energy of Teshuvah and it will draw him back. Teshuvah is not a childish concept about making amends, saying you're sorry, and getting off scot-free for your sins. It is a fundamental, foundational concept without which reality could not exist. Teshuvah is not something we do. It is a flow that we can tap into in which potential for the future is taken into account by Hashem. Not just the basic truth of what deserves to exist based on its current status and achievements. In the final psukim of Sefer Yonah, Hashem teaches Yonah that rachamim, mercy, is a foundational aspect of the world, which cannot be sustained by the attribute of pure truth and justice alone. Vayomer Hashem, then Hashem said, Ata chasta ala you cared about the plant, asher lo amalta bo velo gidalto, which you did not work for and which you did not grow, Shebin Laila Haya Ubin Laila Avad, which appeared overnight and perished overnight. Vaani lo achus al Ninve Hair Hagedola, and should I not care about Ninve, the great city? Asher Yeshba Harbe Mishtem Esreri Bo Adam, in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand people, Asher Lo Yada Ben Yeminoli Smolo, who do not yet know their right hand from their left, Ubehema Raba and many beasts as well? Does Yonah actually reach this realization? The answer is, maybe we don't know, because that's how the book ends. 
the book leaves us on a cliffhanger. But there is a Midrash, luckily, that fills in the gap, making it very clear that the message of the book is that Hashem runs the world with mercy as well as with justice. The Yakut Shimoni writes, nafal al panav ve'amar hanheg Immediately, Yonah fell on his face and said, Hashem, you run your world with the Midah of Rachamim. Dear listeners, this is why it is called Sefer Yonah and not Sefer Ninveh. The story is about Yonah's realization of the way the world functions, not simply about a non-Jewish city's repentance. This is why we need the whole book, not just the final chapter. We need to learn that Yonah's life revolved around truth and justice to set the scene for the revelation about mercy. And what more relevant book could there be to read on Yom Kippur? It teaches us that Teshuvah is a fundamental aspect of the world, one which we can tap into on Yom Kippur. What we do on Yom Kippur is not just asking forgiveness, it is recognizing that the whole of reality is sustained by Hashem's attribute of rachamim, of mercy, seeing beyond basic deservedness and looking to the future, looking to each one of ours potential.